Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we've got LSU's great win over Auburn to go over. Uh, they beat Auburn 23-20 to at home in Death Valley. Uh, we got some other games around the country and the, the conference to go through, and also our usual lanyap as we have time for. But before we get started, just wanted to suggest to those of you that are not already listening somehow, uh, to follow us on Twitter, uh, please do so at, at TalkingTigs, that's talking without the G, and we're also on Facebook uh, as Talking Tigs Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, before we get going, just want to check in with my co-host as we usually do and see how you guys were doing because once again, uh, we were able to get our, our Talking Tigs co-host uh, into the game for some some in the stadium reporting. So, uh, so how are you guys doing? Uh, you know, doing great, Scott. Good to be back. Good to be back. You know, another uh, another win. Undefeated uh, LSU rolls on. Yeah. Um, you know, it was good to be at the game as always. It's always fun to be at uh, Tiger Stadium. A little bit of we had a little bit of uh, questioning about the weather. You know, was it going to be raining? Was it going to be uh, miserable? It ended up being real nice. It was kind of cold, but other than that. Um, you know, it was just kind of a cloudy, uh, chilly day, but uh, good for good for you know football and um, Tigers got the win. So yeah, yeah, I had a long good game day. We uh, actually welcomed some Auburn friends into town and kind of showed them the ropes how uh, LSU does game day, and I think they had fun as well. But yeah, game was close. Uh, of course, it was right in his prediction in the morning. He said LSU, but close. <laughs> and closer than the experts say. Yeah. Right. But uh, we, we got the win in the end, which is all we needed, and it was the win that we needed to boost up to number one in the country in the AP poll, which is exciting. I'm not quite sure when the last time it was that we were number one in the country, but uh, we'll have to defend that title immediately next week, or the week after our bye against the number two team, Alabama, so that's a game everybody's been looking forward to for the whole entire year, but to reflect on this one, we'll dive all into it, but had a great game, uh, and yeah, so go Tigers. Good Tigers. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. You say uh, defend the, um, the the poll rating next week. Uh, I mean, they're off. But, you know, sometimes on bye weeks, uh, depending on how somebody else plays, sometimes they that does happen. You know, I mean, Ohio State would have to turn in some brilliant performance. Uh, but, you know, they, they could take over the number one ranking. But um, on TV, at least it did look like a, uh, you know, kind of a pretty good game. The sun came out at some point. But I know the field was – it looked pretty – pretty soaked. I know some guys had some footing issues uh, because of all the uh, the weather before the game, but um, yeah, it looked like mostly uh, it was just a soggy field that was the uh, the issue on their win. Could uh, could you guys tell from the from the stands? I mean, I'm, it looked like you might have been baking in that sun at some point. Well, you know, it was uh, so on Thursday and Friday it rained. Um, pretty steadily it wasn't you know it wasn't like a downpour or anything but it just it just rained consistently throughout the day mm-hmm. so um i would say you know it w- I, I i wasn't i never got on the field so i don't know but if i could guess and just judging on you know based on like how other grass around you know around campus was it was probably wet and and a little bit uh softer than usual but it was not like wet sloppy you know muddy 
If that meant, you know what I mean? Yeah, it like that tight. LSU uh, Penn State game in the in the bowl game a few years ago, where just the field was coming up in clumps. Yeah, if it was not like that, it was probably more of just a, just a softer playing surface. And uh, I think that you know, and now that you mention it, that's a good point. Um, because Daniel, if you remember when Clyde, and and you'll remember Scott too, when Clyde broke that outside run, I mean, it looked like he was going to be gone, you know, and he only and he came up with like 15 yards. I would. I, I wonder if, if because you know if you're if you're on a softer surface, it'll you'll you'll play slow. Everybody will play slower. Um, so you know, I wonder if that might have been a that might have been a a factor in why we, we seem to not be able to break away. You know, uh, certain certain plays that that kind of set up and looked like they were going to be, uh, you know, long kind of impact plays. Right. Uh, I mean, there was at least one that they were going over on TV. Uh, Gary Danielson and Brad Nestor were talking about. I think it was a uh, it was a fourth down run by Joe Burrow, and uh, you can see right away he he kind of slipped on his footing right as they hiked him the ball. I don't think he would have got it anyway, just looking at you know the positions of everyone. But uh, it it did kind of delay his his approach a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I think it did have something to do with it. But um, you know it, it didn't. It didn't hurt the Tigers. In a week of upsets, though, uh, it didn't didn't affect the Tigers. They they held their own. I think overall it was um, it, it kind of looked like a game that we were used to seeing with LSU, to where the you know the offense looked good at points and did enough to win the game, and to where it was the defense that actually uh, kind of kind of held their own and and staved off uh, you know Auburn coming back and maybe taking over. Yeah, this is more of a traditional LSU game that we're used to seeing where the offense is kind of trade blows for a while and then kind of hinges on a couple key plays and then you get a score in the mid-20s. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into the offense and how they may or may not have lived up to expectations. But, yeah, this is kind of what it's been like for LSU for the past few years. So a little bit on the uh, the downtrend there, but still a good game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tommy, what did you think uh, overall about the about the game? You know, I think I think this is an important win for LSU. Um, because within a season, you're going to have to battle adversity at some point, you know, and, and you can't expect everybody to have their, their, you know, best game every week. And I think that, I think that, uh, you know, honestly, like this was obviously not Joe Burrow's best game. This wasn't the office in general, office in general's best game. Um, but they fought through that adversity and the defense stepped up when they, when they needed to. And I think the defense, and you could tell, I think you could also tell by the, by the play calling, um, I know me and Daniel talked about this after the game, that I think Coach O, Dave Aranda, and uh, Insminger and Brady kind of realized that this might have been the defense's game. And they kind of made a little bit more conservative play calls um, towards the end of the, end of the game to, uh, to allow the defense to kind of go out and win it. Uh, in the same way that, you know, on the flip side in, like, the Texas game, uh, you saw Coach O uh, say after the game that, they gave the ball to Joe, you know, on third and 15 or whatever, when they could have run the ball, you know, beat, eaten up clock and punted. They gave it to Joe with a, a play-action pass and said, go win it. So, you know, I think, this was, I think this was an important game for LSU in that we fought through the adversity of, of not having our best stuff against a very good uh, Auburn team. I think we need to give all the credit to them for playing very well. Um, and... And like I said, I think this is this is a, a good win for us as we go in as we move into that kind of pole position uh, for playoff contention. That 
we can we can win without our best stuff. We can win with our best stuff. And um, you know, it was a real gritty win in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. I was just gonna kind of build off that where it uh, you're saying it may not be Joe Burrow's best game. It's he went 32 of 42 for 320 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So it's kind of wild when you say like not his best game. He still threw for over 300 yards with a really high completion percentage. But you're kind of right. They weren't just launching the ball downfield, testing the secondary like we had kind of been accustomed to seeing. But he still did well, spread the ball out. A couple of players that I wanted to, to mention, Terrace Marshall in his first game back from injury, his first catch actually was a touchdown. So that was, that was right in the corner by us in the end zone. So that was super exciting to see. And then, yeah, Jamar Chase had a big game, eight catches for 123. And then uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran great. He never, he didn't really have any huge ones as long as 26, which was, uh, I think, that goal line run that Tommy had mentioned. But, yeah, 26 uh, carries for 140 and one touchdown himself. So he really uh, toted the rock around. And Joe Burrow, especially on the ground with a couple of key runs, including one touchdown. Uh, so the offense, they, they did what they needed to when they had to. And so that was enough to, to move us along. Yeah, and I, I don't think any LSU fan could deny that they would think, you know, all right, well, what what point might we see this offense, you know, slow down a little bit or get tested? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people thought it would be in two weeks in Tuscaloosa, but you know, it was it was at home against Auburn, and uh, they they got it because they were uh, pressuring they were pressuring all night long. Uh, it just seemed like Burrow was under pressure most of the nights, you know, so it gave LSU some early struggles. And they had some red zone struggles too, but you know eventually they got it figured out. Um, and it kind of seemed like the Florida game where Auburn was just matching them score for score. But uh, as the defense did against Florida in that game, uh, you know they they held them off in the third quarter starting. So uh, we can get to that in a little bit, but definitely some good adjustments at halftime. But as far as the offense goes, yeah, uh, you you know you could say again like we did last week. You know Burrow didn't have one of those uh, amazing performances, but it, you know very efficient. Uh, 321 yards, only one TD, but he also ran one in himself, which was a designed run, it looked like, and little quarterback draw. Yeah, that that run um, would was what you could say could be a Heisman moment, but I would say earlier in the game, because remember LSU is kind of kind of kind of sluggish, you know, through those first few series, mm-hmm. and then uh, Burrow, you know, a play kind of broke down, and he ran outside actually to get the the first down. And uh, this this player from Auburn hit him right as he was going out of bounds, and it, you know it was it was pretty much a clean hit, but it kind of looked borderline in real time. But it was a clean hit, and for some reason that just kind of seemed to fire him up. You know, the, yeah. I think these guys really thrive when they see Gerald Burrow bounce back from something like that because it just shows his grittiness. And guys want to play for their quarterback if he's if he's taking the brunt of the hits and moving on. You know, that can only pump them up. And I think that's when they got their first really good touchdown drive. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would say not too long after that is when he had a Heisman moment. Uh, it was kind of a similar play. He was uh, running out of the pocket, and he was about to go out of bounds. And then he hit, uh, I think he hit X on his joystick and, or circle, whatever it was. And did he a hit circle spin. and got that spin move. Yeah, exactly. And it was, yeah. it was next to that same player. So, it was. Yeah. yeah, number 13. Uh, I, I had his name down. I forget it was Davis, I think. Uh, and so, yeah, he got, the, he, he got the run that way, and I, was, I thought that was a moment. That was a great Heisman moment, and it just started to get the, you know, the offense kind of fired up to get moving. 
No, I, I totally agree. I was when we were watching it in real time at Tiger Stadium. I made like a mental bookmark on that play, and I said, "I will, you know, we will remember that in December." Um, you know, I, 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 I don't like saying the H word. It makes me nervous. I'm a superstitious oh, okay. guy, but I, I totally agree. I think that is a uh, an H moment, and <laughs> um, you know, I think that that I think that that, that a, a play like that really shows what Joe Burrow is. Because he's not, um, he's not the, he, he's a gritty player, and he's the kind of guy who who's willing to put his body on the line, and you know, and he's not the, he's not some speedy quarterback like he's not a Justin Fields who's just a freak athlete, but he runs with purpose, he runs he runs fearless, and he's he's and he, he runs with a passion. And when when he goes, you know, I think right after that he right after that play where he had the spin move, he did the uh, the like, you know stuck his arm out in that first uh, first down you know sign like you know let's go, yeah. and you know that was I, I really did I, I agree with you I think that was kind of an iconic moment for him especially in a game where he'd had some he and, and again yeah you're right Daniel he he had 300 yards and a TD and a lot of good throws but for you know for what we're used to he did struggle a little bit and. For him to be able to adjust that way and say, you know what, like maybe, um, maybe my, you know, maybe our passing attack is not gonna is not gonna be the the thing that puts up 40 points today. So let me get it on the ground. Let me, you know, let me give. And I think that was also a theme of LSU's offenses. They took they took what Auburn gave us. Yeah. Auburn gave us uh, Auburn gave us run, and we said, okay, we'll run the ball, and we'll run the ball off tackle. Um, Clyde did it. Joe Burrow did it. Ty Davis did it. Um, we even we almost I think we were we were almost about to uh, we put Justin Jefferson at tailback um, on one play and then ca- ended up calling a timeout. I would I would have loved to see that play unfold because it, they they snapped the ball and started to run it and then but Coach O had called a timeout before, so they had to you know call a playoff. But it looked like a pretty interesting little play where you get Jefferson at uh, at a at running back, and then he runs a little wheel route. So I, I'm I would love to see that again. I think that's a nice little uh, wrinkle to our offense with such a dynamic uh, receiver as Jefferson coming out of the backfield. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think you know we took we took what Auburn would give us, and we said okay, if your if your defense wants to play a a, a gritty, grinded out, you know, vintage SEC type play uh, game, then we'll give it to you, and we'll bow our necks and uh, and play bend don't break defense. And then we will we'll run the clock out, hand the ball off to our uh, to our guy who's becoming pretty much a stud running back in Clyde, um, and we'll and we'll you know eat your lunch. Yeah, like Clyde is he bided his time behind uh, uh, Darius Geis and then Nick Brissett last year, and now he's really stepped into his own. And while he may not have that super dynamic ability like Geis or Fournette or whatever, uh, he'll he'll make the move that he needs to. And then just like you said, Auburn was so wary of. Uh, Joe Burrow's arm that they'll give you that inside the tackles or like break it outside run and then we'll just keep grinding it out and that's all you really need to do. And then back to what you were mentioning about Joe Burrow getting a hit and then kind of popping up to, to lead the team. I don't know if they really showed this on the TV broadcast, but the both teams were kind of jawing at each other all game. Like after the plays, there was almost a couple of punches thrown. Not punches, but like players were up in each other's faces. So the energy was just electric and you could tell that there was really some uh, some distaste for each other, so to to get out the wind and kind of put it back on them, send them back packing uh, is kind of extra sweet there. 
Yeah, it was, and you, you definitely could see the chippiness on on the TV. Uh, you know, definitely after uh, Burroughs' run, but just you know, other points during the game. Uh, and I was actually going to mention this. It was, you know, early on, it seemed like there were LSU was kind of beating themselves just with, I don't know, just some a little bit of sloppiness, but also some you know some personal fouls. Derek Dillon on a uh, after a play, he had a personal foul, and that just kind of set LSU back another 15 yards. Uh, he he did make up for it later though with a with an onside kick recovery. But there was that. There was uh, some pass interference. You know, just it seemed like they were kind of beating themselves. But then they settled down, I think, and they kind of got into it. Um, but uh, I think now it's uh, since we've talked about the offense and how they did enough to get it done, you got to talk about this defense and how you know they held Auburn to to 20 points. And you know you could say. It uh, it was at home, so that that was that was going to happen. But uh, you know, it's, this is Gus Malzahn. I know they have a freshman quarterback, but they are a very good running team. I mean, they had almost 300 yards last week, but LSU held them to 130 yards. So our our theory of them having having a good run defense, uh, I, I think, still holds because Auburn threw everything at them, and LSU's defense, you know, they they, they held their water. I think for this game, uh, so. Just you know, just talking about the defense overall. Uh, how how impressed were you? I, I would say uh, probably pretty impressed based based on the based on the competition. Yeah, I'll mention real quick. So, like you said, on the run defense, they had 183 yards rushing for Auburn, but uh, 70 of those came at the very end on one long run. Uh, that was kind of when Auburn was in, in desperation mode. I think it was Kerry Vincent actually who made a tackle on that to kind of save a touchdown, which really would have juiced Auburn up. And then maybe they had the onside kick. I mean, eventually they, they got a touchdown anyway, but took a little time off the clock. But overall, yeah, I played good. The whole expectation coming in this game was whether Bo Nix was going to be able to handle the Death Valley atmosphere uh, as a true freshman. He, he said he was going to be able to, but we really we made him look like an 18-year-old true freshman. Uh, he was uh, 15 of 35 with one pick, only 150 yards passing, and yeah, made some uh, pretty key mistakes. He had a few... Uh, Intentional grounding. Intentional grounding. I couldn't even think of the word for it. Yeah, yeah no, but, he looked rattled. He looked rattled back there. And just decision-making was not good. Uh, Derek Steeling came up with a big goal-line pick, and uh, that kind of reignited us a little bit. He had a kind of best of times, worst of times day, which we'll get to in a second. But, yeah, he did well, and then everybody else just plugging the gaps. We had a decent pass rush. I got a few sacks, I think three. And then, yeah, yeah everybody else – played up to where they needed to. I think Grant Delpit maybe not had his best game. He missed a few key tackles, but everybody else uh, really did their job. Mm-hmm. What say you, Tommy? You know, I think, I, I think this was an important game for the defense. I think this was a statement game because, like I said earlier, kind of our original breakdown, I think that, the, I think that LSU kind of took what Auburn gave us and, and they said – all right, if we're gonna play, if you want to play a defensive game, we'll play a defense game. You know, let's let's get our let's see what we can do, and the defense showed up. And I think that also, and I, I think me and, me and Dan were talking about this actually during the game. LSU, this LSU team reminds me so much of the Saints, um, like the 2011 Saints team, uh, just in that or 
2009, 10, the, the Super Bowl year. Yeah, because, nine. you know, we, we'll, the Saints would give up a big play every now and then, and but when it came down to it, when they needed it, they would bow their necks. You know, on the goal line, they didn't give up much. LSU's done really well on their goal line defense or, you know, within the within the red zone. Um, you know, a, a great great play from our defensive line, I think. Um, and and our I think our secondary is definitely getting better. Um, would love to see more from Grant Delpit, but I was actually talking to uh, talking to somebody about it today. You know, I think that I think that defenses have um, have circled Grant Delpit as you know he's the preseason All American, he's the, the projected you know number one uh, defensive back in the draft this year, and I think they say we're gonna we're gonna challenge him every play, and we're going to uh, we're gonna make him you know make him work, and so I think that there's a lot of pressure on him both. Externally, you know, just from the the pressure of him being number seven, the playmaker, the All American, and also I think defenses are challenging him in every you know every time they can. So, um, you know, I I I would love to see more, and I would love to see him you know be even more of a playmaker than he is. But I I do want to cut him a little bit of slack. Uh, Same thing with Derek Stingley. I think Derek Stingley, you know, he throughout SEC play he's been um, he's been kind of exposed as a true freshman. And he still, you know, he still has four picks, and he still comes up clutch when we need him to. You know, it seems like it seems like every time if there's if he makes a mistake, you know, if he muffs that punt or um, gives up that touchdown against uh, Florida, then he comes up again with you know a, a key pick that say, that you know could save the game or something like that. So, you know, you can call me a homer, but I, I like I, I want to. Um, I think I want to give give credit to our defense and 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 you know cut cut everybody a little bit of slack because they're getting the job done and um and I think they were you know pivotal to that win last night because I don't think that in a shootout I don't know if that game goes the same way if we have to put it on on Joe and say look like our defense isn't going to win this game we need you to go out and do it I don't I just don't know if Joe and the offense had it now we didn't have you know we didn't see them have to do that we didn't see them have to put up points just, you know to keep up. But um, but I, I think that the defense was was a was a pivotal aspect to, to winning that game against Auburn. Absolutely. And just to go off what you said about uh, Delpit, I mean, uh, how many how many times though that we see uh, Dave Aranda use him, you know, up towards the line of scrimmage too? I mean, he uses him all over the field, and uh, you know, sometimes he's making those plays. Sometimes he's it's like he's a half second away, you know. But it's like. It, Dave Aranda says, I have this great tool. I'm going to use him anywhere I can. So I think that's where, you know, sometimes it, it looks like they, they may be, you know, picking on him or it just seems like Del Pitt uh, maybe didn't make the play. But, you know, I, I think he's there's been a, a lot asked of him. And I think for the most part he's, he's answering it, you know, because he's being used all over the field. Same with Derek Stingley. Uh, yeah, you know, you could say he gave up uh, this touchdown or, you know, he muffed the punt. But when when it came down to it, he got that interception against Florida. And when it came down to it, right before half, he got that interception one-on-one against Auburn, number one, 6'4 receiver. So uh, it's, it, it's funny because uh, right before, uh, you know, after they uh, were going into halftime, uh, the CBS on-field reporter was asking Gus Malzahn about that. Oh, is that the right decision? And he said, yeah, yeah, we're here to win. And I thought, okay, but, um, you know, if you, if you guys are here to win – you know, don't don't throw Derek Stingley's way because it's just not going to go the way you think it is. I know he's a freshman, but he's he's still the number one rated cornerback, you know, 
arguably the number one rated recruit out of high school, and uh, and he showed it. So, yeah, he he held off that Auburn threat uh, right before halftime, and uh, I think these guys, you know, they're going to have some some growing moments, but uh, just so far this year, uh, it looks great, and the defense came up just just the way they needed to 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 kind of secure the win. Well, the thing about um this the thing about Stingley that, you, that if you watch and you pay attention, they you know, there will be one play where maybe they where they challenge him and, you know, it'll either they'll either have success or he'll pick it off really. And then the rest of the time, the rest of the time last night, you didn't hear much from him. And right. and I and that's in a good way. You know what I mean? Like they weren't even they weren't even throwing to him. There was a lot of time where he was on the back side of the play or Bonix throws it out of bounds and you know because he because I, I think and I believe it's because they're so he's they're so scared of you know if we th- if we throw a 50-50 ball he's going to come up with it because it's more like 60-40 for Stingley. So, right. you know, I think that um and we've seen that we saw that with the Florida game, we saw that with with the uh with this game where they threw it against uh, Stingley, and they had some success with that tight, you know, putting that tight end on on Derek Stingley. But once he settles in and he kind of and he kind of locks in and figures out what what they're doing and what they're trying to, he makes that adjustment, and then you don't hear much from him. And and it, it's really, you know, they they he takes off one side of the field, or takes it out yeah. of play, I should say. He does, but um, kind of with the Florida game and kind of like what happened yesterday, you know, there was just one point in the game where. Uh, he got a little roughed up in a play, and he had to he had to sit out. You know it, it, that happened with Delpa too. He had, he had to sit out a little bit uh, after a play because he got dinged up. And what happened right after that was uh, they brought in Jay Ward, and you know they just had him cover whoever Stingley was covering. And whether it was Florida or Auburn, they went straight to that guy right away. And you know they they either got the first down or they got the touchdown. Um, and that's not to say that. You know, Jay Ward was just completely lost, but you know he was right there with the guy. But uh, you know, just it, it wasn't the same effect, I don't think, as Stingley, because you could just see that the teams wanted to test him right away. Because that very next play after Stingley came out, in both games they went right to whoever he was covering, and it and it worked for them. So I think LSU is going to have to look towards that. Uh, you know, in the next games, especially you know against Alabama, should something happen. But um, just something to keep an eye on. But overall. I thought the defense did an amazing job. Uh, I cannot say the same about their special teams, which, you know, for the first time this season, I think uh, special teams kind of let them down. You know, there was the, the Stingley fumble during a punt, at, and it's it's weird. It's uh, If you look at the replay, you know, they call it a game of inches. It's also a game of, like, milliseconds, because his knee was actually on the ground, uh, and had he stayed there and muffed the punt, it just would have been, uh, you know, a dead ball right then, but he didn't. His knee came up right in time, kind of like that Texas A&M game last year, and so it was a live ball. Uh, and then, yeah, Cade York missed uh, missed an extra point, which was a little bit disappointing. And uh, Zach von Rosenberg had a very busy day. I don't think he's had more than two or three punts, but he had six for 229 yards. So a very busy day for him. But, uh, yeah, the special teams kind of let him down a little bit. And that's what I was talking about with that Derek Dillon play earlier. Uh, you know, LSU, I think, punted or kicked off, and he had a personal foul, which gave Auburn another 15 yards. So hopefully they can kind of fix these special team woes. But uh, is that pretty much what you guys kind of watched? Yeah, I, you know, I think I think this was a game of adversity um, yeah. all around. You know, I think that I think that there there were definitely plays on the offensive side of the ball 
that could have gone the other way and calls on the offensive side of the ball that could have gone the other way. And then, you know, that it's a, it's a, we're up by, th- you know, two or three touchdowns. Um, same thing with the special teams. You know, if that, if, if, uh, if they call, if they review that play and they say, oh, Stingley's knee was down, then we've got the ball and we don't give up a touchdown. So, you know, it's, it's really, um, I think that it was, a, you know, it, it was, and I'm, I don't want to say it was bad luck or, you know, oh, you know, blame it on the refs kind of thing, but I do think that, that this was a, a gritty game where things didn't go our way and um, you'd like to see improvement. You definitely, you know, that's the stuff you can't give up against Alabama or in a playoff right. scenario or in an Absolutely. SEC championship scenario. But it it shows the it shows the the um, the grit of this team that we played through it and we took what like like I said we took what we got and um, we didn't it didn't seem like we we quit it didn't seem like we we you know, gave up and said, oh, like, this is just not our day. It seemed like we said, you know, we're here to win, and we'll, we'll win in whatever way we can. And if it means, you know, having to, having to uh, play basically two defensive series in a row because of a, a you know, a, a, an unfortunate play by a freshman, or if it's, you know, we're, now we're in a weird scenario where our touchdown that, put us, that would have put us up, you know, over two, uh, you know, making it a... a two-score win game, now we're now a, a field goal can tie kind of scenario with a missed extra point. Instead of laying down and saying, man, this is just not our day, I think that we said, you know what, we'll, we we got to win. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it whatever. We're going to do it however we can. Yeah, you kind of took my thoughts word for word on that one. I was going to say that it just kind of worries me a little bit because obviously we're a great team. You don't get to be the number one team in the country without being great. But like you're saying against Alabama – those things where oh, we fumbled the punt or just like that one extra point on the miss, miss extra point where the, we mentioned the penalties earlier, LSU 12 penalties for 118 yards. Like that's just not quite going to fly against the, the very top level of competition. So if we clean those things up, I think we have as good a chance as anybody and for sure uh, can get that win. But we're going to have to be on top of our game. We'll get into that more next week uh, on the bye. Uh, Joe, have anything more on this game, or we got we got some big recruiting news to get to also. Well, I guess yeah. just one thing is like you know I don't I think that I, and Daniel you said this um, when we did our our season preview, and we kind of talked about it throughout throughout the season. I think that this was the the I'm not going to say it was a trap game because Auburn is by no means a a subpar team that you know that works that we were expected to uh, absolutely crush. You know it wasn't like oh we're gonna we're thirty point favorites. Um, but I do think that this is this is this was a tough game for us. In that it was a you know two thirty kickoff, which is good. You know it's the good CBS. Um, that's the CBS you know spotlight game. But it's still you know it's not a night game in Death Valley. I think that um, there was so much energy with game day and with the fan base and, and with uh, for the Florida game that I know for I know in my opinion and Daniel you can correct me if you if you disagree but when we got into the game, into the stadium it seemed like nobody there was no energy in the first quarter bare, and barely any energy in the second quarter you know Yeah it really um, it really just it wasn't there at the beginning it ramped up throughout the game and then everybody was kind of getting into it by the end but before it was start to finish like it's crazy from the very first this play week, everyone maybe it was, just was the atmosphere like just the raininess and like the, I think the it early was, game uh, yeah, I think but, it was all the above. You know, it's an it's an earlier game. It was raining. It was cold. It was, uh, you know, people had kind of not necessarily discounted Auburn, but 
you know, I think that, and we we gone back. I mean, I've gone back and forth on this podcast. I thought Auburn was the was the team to beat at the beginning of the season. I thought I really liked what they were doing. Then they played Florida, and I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm more scared of Florida. Then then we watched Florida, you know, play again, and then we and when we played Florida, and now I was like, oh well, maybe I'm more scared of Auburn. So I think that um that you know, there's so much more. Everyone was so much more locked in on Florida. That uh, this was a and, and everyone is looking ahead to two weeks from now, November November nine in Tuscaloosa. That uh, that this was a this was a game that I, I would I would venture to say everyone was kind of sleeping on just a little bit. And so you know I, I don't think that those those mental mistakes and those unfortunate mistakes will come out will come to play. I think we will we will be absolutely prepared, absolutely ready, and absolutely locked in. When we when we call when when the game when when it's the biggest game of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it should be mentioned though that um, uh, yeah, I think this is one of LSU's you know just kind of current rivalries. This rivalry goes back decades, but you know you you can say the the Golden Boot game against Arkansas has too, but it's you know it's just not the same. Same with Alabama until we're competitive, which hopefully we'll see in two weeks. You know, it, it hadn't been the same rivalry, but uh, you know, this one has been a, a good rivalry the last few years. But uh, it, it is worth noting, though, that Auburn still has not defeated LSU in Tiger Stadium since the '90s. So that's, I think, that's pretty remarkable. That was one of those stats, though, that they keep throwing out during the game and all the pregame talk. So you start to think, all right, well, here, here go the announcers jinxing it, and you know, it looked like Auburn was going to really kind of test that. That uh, that streak, but uh, you know, LSU came out on top. So Auburn still winless in Tiger Stadium for going on three decades now, which I think is awesome. Um, and then, you know, you could say the off- the offense or Joe, you know, didn't look as good as past. But you know, there was it was just little bitty things. Like I remember there was one play where he rolled out to the right, and he had a guy open in the end zone, threw it. The guy in front of his target thought it was for him, kind of tipped it, and, uh, you know, averted a touchdown. So Joe, Joe Burrow kind of got a pass defended by one of his own wide receivers, you know, which could have been another touchdown, maybe could have changed the momentum in the game. But, you know, that's that's how these things go with a, a good rivalry. But, you know, overall, um, I think LSU's sitting pretty with that, considering, you know, all the, all the upsets that ha- happened around college football this week. Uh, did you? I, I know you guys saw some of them. What do you? What was the biggest surprise for you, as far as uh, upsets this week? I think mine would have to be. I don't know. It's I, I would be Oklahoma, say, right? I don't know. I, I would say that, but you know, they they it was still a close game, and they had a chance to win it. We can get to that in a second. I think my biggest surprise was Michigan beating the tar out of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really see that happening. But yeah, I think weather kind of played into their hands. Uh, well, so so Dana, you would say Oklahoma was your biggest upset. Uh, what about you, Tommy? I I think I agree with you, Scott. I I mean I'm not uh, I'm surprised by both. Um, yeah. But I have so much I have so disdain. much more uh, <laughs> disdain and um and Detroit. doubt in in the fighting Jim Harbaugh's. Right. Um, that I, I really did not believe that they had a, a a just an absolute trouncing in them. Now that being said, I don't. I, you know, I've 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 sold uh, Notre Dame since I think day one. I think on this podcast I said you know Notre Dame is not that good. They they don't deserve to be um, nationally 
a national contender perennially, 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 uh, just because of their name and just because they're the independent school. Um, but that's where we are. So I think that was a, a little bit more surprising, the fact that they couldn't even put up a fight and that, uh, and that you know, let down quarterback of the year, Shane Patterson, kind of just ran all over him. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, I think equally, like, the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma loss is, is surprising. Um, but it's really, I don't think it's that surprising when, you know, and we talked to, we talked to Josh LeMoyne about it uh, on, on one of our podcasts. We were talking about, you know, Oklahoma and how, how scary good they look. But, he, you know, he brought up a good point. He's like, look, man, like, they're not playing really any good competition. And, you know, they're playing basketball on grass against subpar defensive athletes. So when, uh, when you get to, you know, when, when they – if a team shows up against Oklahoma, it's, it, I mean, it's proven by, by yesterday that they can be beat. So um, – but, that's, but that just the fact that that – I think both teams lose – both of those teams losing have uh, – Huge implications for all of college football. We'll get into that, but um, you know, I'm anxious to see what. what so, what what is your take on uh, on the two losses, Scott? Uh, I would say that the Oklahoma losing that kind of disavows the Big Twelve because if you you know you saw that game, you also saw that Texas also lost, and that was kind of more of an upset to me. I don't know. It's just uh, Texas. You know, the, this great win that we had at the beginning of the season, it's not looking as good as the year goes on because we thought, you know, maybe Texas and Oklahoma will play again for the Big 12 championship. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't know. I think the, the Big 12 is kind of up in the air, but I don't think at this point that they have much say-so in the uh, in the national championship race unless other top teams start to lose. Now, Ohio State looked apart against Wisconsin. I think that was one of the other, like, ranked matchups in uh, – Wisconsin is kind of a pretender. pretender. Ohio State is the contender. And uh, Michigan State looked all the part against Michigan State. Uh, Oregon kind of almost lost to Washington State. Uh, yeah, that's what, what Oregon's been saying is, hey, we're the, we're the best one-loss team. We only lost to Auburn. Um, yeah, but, I mean, they almost lost to a, a barely 500 Washington State team at home. Uh, TCU beat up on Texas by 10. And... Uh, another one, uh, Iowa State lost to Oklahoma State, and UCLA somehow beat Arizona State. So there's all these upsets. You know, you see these every year where someone, you know, there's just this one weekend where there's just this rash of upsets. Uh, luckily, LSU uh, escaped that. But um, I, I think uh, it kind of, it helps and hurts LSU, you know. Um, the Texas loss doesn't help LSU, but I think by this point, you know, it doesn't matter because, the, the body of work for LSU is, is so good at this point that it's not right. it's not a factor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, you know, you could say if that was their only top ten win by this point, then you know it's kind of questionable. But now they've had three, and all these teams that they have beat have wins against a top fifteen team or something like that. So I, I think that's great. And um, all the other wins, you know, uh, Clemson beating Boston College, not that impressive. Arkans or uh, Alabama beating Arkansas. Uh, not that impressive, even though they were without Tua, because I, I think they there was still like three minutes left in the first quarter, and they were only up by a field goal, field goal at home against Arkansas, and Arkansas is horrible. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that game's going to depend on how healthy Tua is in a couple weeks, because uh, 
I don't think Alabama's backup or backups, I should say. Um, it's just a huge drop off after Tua. What uh, what do you guys say about all these uh, these upsets that happened? Did anything kind of stick out to you? Yeah, so I'm going to break down why the Oklahoma loss is so important for LSU because there there are only five undefeated real contender teams left, and there's the top five teams: LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Penn State. And only three of those teams can come out undefeated because LSU still has to play Alabama, and Ohio State still plays Penn State. So you think three teams come out undefeated, there's going to be one spot left that's going to go to a one-loss or more team, most likely one loss. So now that Oklahoma was that team that was in there, that they could take up that fourth spot, and all four undefeated teams could be there. But now that doesn't happen. So just in case LSU does lose to Alabama, boom, we're still there in the fourth spot as a one-loss team, and we're in the playoff, and we don't have to play a conference championship game as long as other insanity doesn't happen. But that just frees up so much pressure like from us and really the other teams because Ohio State or Penn State, one of those is going to lose uh, to each other. And so they're in a similar situation as LSU and Alabama, but obviously they don't have quite the, uh, the rankings pedigree at this point, which is why they're discounted in favor of us. So we're perfectly positioned. Obviously, we control our own destiny. You win and you're in. But just in case something happens against Alabama, then it's a much better day to be an LSU fan today instead of when Oklahoma was undefeated. And then the other strange thing is that the Big 12 contender now is not Oklahoma, and it's not Texas. It's Baylor, which is really what? weird to say. Uh, but number 12, undefeated Baylor, 7-0. and There's only eight teams left who are undefeated, and Baylor is somehow one of them. And so they actually control their own destiny in the Big 12. They still play Oklahoma, and then probably Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship if they do make it. So that's kind of something that I'm a bit concerned about now is that Baylor slowly rises up the ranks if they keep winning, which hopefully they, Oklahoma beats them and then it's a moot point. But if they take Oklahoma's spot in the top four as an undefeated Big 12 champion, and then you have a playoff team that nobody would have thought about before the season. And then somebody, hopefully not LSU, is going to be left out in the cold. But uh, other than that, everything kind of did its thing. Uh, Notre Dame got exposed, which is good for us again. And, yeah, and Wisconsin, they were looking so good early in the season, and then the wheels have just fallen off the train last week uh, against Illinois and then against Ohio State, who was looking very good, by the way. So, uh, yeah, Fields General, Justin Fields is the real deal now that he's escaped, uh, Kirby Smart. And, yeah, they're looking like a legit team. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's bad there, Tommy, because I had, I had a couple to go, but uh, I just want to see if you had anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, a, that's a very solid breakdown. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. The only – it's like, a, we are Penn State. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I think that I think that you're spot on with that analysis, and I think that we're really in we're in the catbird seat right now. Um, we control our own destiny, which is great. You can't you can't ask for anything else. But also, you know, I, I have some inside information from the, from before the season even started. I was talking to a guy who's, who's familiar with some of the top coaches in the program, and you know, he was he was saying that that uh, for the longest time. Uh, especially in the Les Miles era, in the BCS era, and then even last year, LSU had this had this uh, LSU's top top level coaches had this idea and this mantra that we have to win every game 
and that's, that's how we win. We have to win, to win a national championship, to contend for a playoff spot, you have to win every game. And that's why we saw Coach O go out there before the Alabama game and say in the press conference, you know, the, the, the famous, we're coming, we ain't backing down, this is, why I come to, this is why I come to LSU, I came for this one game, I came to coach against this one team. And that, they've really changed their, their outlook on, that, on, that, on this one game. Because that's, the truth is you don't need that one game. If you, schedule, if you have a good schedule and you can see that you know, we, had a, we had a very good schedule, I think that even, you know, Scott, you mentioned that our Texas win looks worse and worse. Um, and, I, and I agree that it does, it does look worse as they lose. But still, if you were, you know, and I think the committee will remember, if you remember that game at that time, that was, that was the premier game. Texas did not look like the pretenders that they look like now. And LSU you know, went in there and made a definitive statement in, in a hostile environment. So I think the win still looks like a, a very quality win. I think it, it's still one of the best wins in the country right now. And I, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that LSU is in this position. I'm happy that, our, that it seems like our, the powers that be, our top-level decision-makers, have that, that little more uh, open-minded outlook about you know, look, like, let's play this, let's play this season, let's play it, play it as a marathon, not a sprint. It's not about this one game in November that's going to be our season. Our season is defined by more than that, and our body of work is defined by more than that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I agree. I, I agree with everything Daniel said. I do think that um, Baylor's going to run into some trouble because they've got TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas all on the schedule back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So... Um, I think they'll probably come out with a loss, at least at least one loss in that uh, in that you know murderers well murderers row for the Big 12. Um, especially we saw TCU can play with can play with the top in their conference. Oklahoma can obviously play with the top in their conference, and, and Texas you know you never know you never know who's going to show up, but I think Texas has a chance to beat beat Baylor. So I, I agree that that could be a, a little dark horse scenario, but I, I don't think it's as likely as. Um, as some of the other scenarios that Daniel described playing out. Right. And um, in addition to the, uh, you know, Baylor being undefeated, SMU, though they had a good challenge on Thursday from Houston, uh, they, they still came out on top and are still undefeated. And, of course, they did it again in those really nice uniforms. Those clean jerseys. Oh, yes. man. I think they're uh. the best. SMU is the best team in Texas, and it's not because of their play. It's because of those uniforms. Yeah. Get me one of those Dallas jerseys, and I'll become an SMU fan. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? If they, uh, if they make a New Year's Six, I'll do that for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. anyway, um, yeah, just going back to, you know, to what you guys are saying, uh, you know, the LSU does control their own destiny. Uh, and I think you know, LSU will have a bye next week. Talking Tigs, I don't think will. So we can, we can divulge into that, that game a little bit more next week, but yeah, definitely. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching a lot of a lot of film. Watch probably watch a few of Alabama's games from the past uh, from from this season a little bit more in depthly over the week to kind of prepare. Um, so we'll have a little bit better content. Might have a, a special guest or two looking at lining that up as well. So stay tuned. Um, yeah. But overall, you know, it's 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 a great position to be in. You can't ask for. Um, I keep saying this, this is like my catchphrase now. You can't ask for much more. But I think it's true. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, this has really been an incredible season and this has been a, a it feels like a diff, this is a different season. I think that, and I think we're going to touch on the recruiting before we finish up. I, 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 we've, LSU just picked up two 
you know, top-level recruits that really weren't expected to come. You know, one decommitted from Tennessee. Uh, the other decommitted. Where did where did Arik decommit from, Daniel? Uh, he never was committed oh, he, he anywhere, never. but uh, he was kind of by all accounts like 90% projected Alabama, and if he yeah. wasn't Alabama, he was 10% Georgia, and so LSU was like not even on the radar pretty much. Yeah, so I, I really think that I really think that this season, along with this recruiting, and cause, and you know they're not they're not um, mutually exclusive. They all tie in together. I think that um, that this season is a turning point for LSU as a program, and I I, do, I think that you know as, as you look at college football right now, um, there was a shift happened when Alabama started their their dynasty, and then Clemson followed suit, and and Georgia kind of followed suit, not as much with wins, but with with quality of program development, um, with the hiring of Kirby Smart. It, it, it really seemed like there were basically three three top level teams, three elite premier creme de la creme teams and then the rest. And I think that LSU has, is making a statement this year that we are moving up into that elite, um, into that elite category. We're going to do it on, on the field. We're going to do it on recruiting, and we're going to do it with coaching and scheme. And I think that, you know, prepare yourself as an LSU fan because the, I think the best years are ahead of us. Yeah, and, and to, to that little spiel that you just gave, I would add, and we're going to do it, with the best locker rooms in America. True. Because <laughs> that has to play into it, right? I, I think so. You know, I think that we were talking to uh, our friend. I'll give a shout-out to uh, Culver, uh, Culver Norid. He was uh, our Auburn friend who came and, and hung out with us last night, talked to the game and everything. We talked a lot of ball. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the recruiting and how, you know, his, his complaint with Auburn is that Gus and, and the Auburn administration don't recruit very well because of the little things like that. We were talking about just how jerseys and how uh, jerseys are a big recruiting tool and how now that, you know, that now the trend is that all these players come into the locker room, they take pictures in the locker room with their, jer- with the, you know, the team's jersey on and the pads yeah. on and everything yeah. and do these hype pictures. And, you know, it, it look, you know, some people might say it looks silly or, oh, that's not, um, you know, that's not what really matters. What matters is who your coach is and if you're a contender and all that kind of stuff. But, no, I think, you know, I think it all matters. And it's all, um, and it all, you know, feeds into the to the final product. So, you know, I'm glad that people complain about these about the locker rooms, but I'm glad we got the locker rooms, and I'm glad we've got, uh, you know, that kind of culture of of fun. And and uh, you know, Coach O's a players' coach, and he's there, and he's calling the the recruits, and he's texting them, and everything. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. are 17 year old kids. That stuff has an effect on them. I mean, when I was 17, you, you want the the coolest like new shirt or whatever, or like you you buy your favorite team's jersey just because it looks cool. And so that definitely like has an effect. You see the guys like in the Georgia locker room, they posted up with the big like spikes on the shoulder pad, like holding the big chain or whatever. I don't know if y'all have seen that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it all ties together, and it's really one program. It's not just necessarily like oh, we're a good football team. It's Will I be a star it's a, it's here? A culture. Like, do, do I just it's like a, it? You know. Yeah, it's a culture. It's a and it's a it's a um, it's all encompassing. And you know, and Daniel said, you you know, you said when I'm set when I was 17. Well, I'm 23 right now, and I'm and I'm like, man, I want one of those. Uh, I want one of those SMU jerseys just because it looks cool. So you know, it matters. To, it matters to everybody, and it's definitely a factor. And you want to and you want to be able to build a program that has that culture and has that um that, you know, that cool factor. And LSU has always has always been pretty good at that. You know, like Odell Beckham was one of the coolest guys in college football, Leonard Fournette, Tyron Matthew. Um, but it seems like 
like I said, you know, they're, college football took a step um, after with Nick Saban and then Dabo Sweeney and Kirby Smart. And, right. and LSU is taking the, they're you know they're on they're not they haven't taken the, I don't think they've taken the step yet they're on the staircase and they are about to say you know I think at the end of the season regardless what happens you know we will we will say at the end of the season we will say we're here we've arrived and you know get ready because we're not we're not going back down anymore right exactly and speaking and, of the cruise who did we get this week we had a big week I heard that LSU. Yes, the Louisiana State University Tigers landed the top tight end in the country. I mean, that that wasn't a misprint, right? LSU got the top tight end in the country. I saw yep. that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, How amazing 10, is that? Number 10 ranked player overall, Eric Gilbert. Uh, he actually pronounced his own name Eric in his press conference, but I read an article where he said, said before it's pronounced Eric, but he just goes by Eric because that's what people started calling him. But uh, Eric Gilbert, uh, 6'5", 250 out of Marietta, Georgia, number 10 ranked player overall, number one tight end, who, like I had mentioned, was pretty much an Alabama lock. And then we swiped him out from under him. Nick Saban was visibly upset. And, yeah, so he now headlines the class, our third five-star player. And, yeah, I've watched some of his tape, definitely a stud. And then we had two more commitments this week, too, uh, as well. So building that lineup. And then also breaking news, uh, about 20 minutes ago, I just got word that uh, Marcus, Duma, Marcus Dumerville, the, uh, the offensive lineman um, recruit, has just gotten another uh, LSU crystal ball. I guess that's on, on 24-7. So, you know, he's expected to commit. The interesting thing is that we are filling our – we're filling up our spots right now. And uh, I talked to well, – Before you get into that, just, let's just mention the other two commits that we got. So uh, Eric Gilbert's teammate actually committed today, just like two hours ago. Uh, B.J. Ojolari, I'm maybe mispronouncing that, but he's a defensive end, four-star, number nine-ranked defensive end, also uh, Marietta, Georgia. And then a little bit earlier in the week, uh, Malcolm Green, uh, safety from Highland Springs, Virginia, so number 27-ranked safety, a four-star, committed as well. So really filling out the defense as well to, to pair with some of our other premier recruits there. So a really big haul this year, and then, yeah, go back to what you are saying about filling the spots, Tommy. Yeah, so we're filling the spots. Um, we're at, are we at 23 right now? Or, or it's 24. 24. There's one 24. more. And so we got one more spot left um, with two to three targets that we're looking at. We've got uh, Marcus Dumerville and then uh, uh, Zach Evans, who's a potential, and then um, Dana, I'm blanking, the defensive tackle. Jacoby and Guillory? Yeah, Jacoby and Guillory. So uh, people are saying that we might have to, uh, quote, process some kids, which is an unfortunate, unfortunate aspect of the business where we kind of tell them, look, man, we're not going to honor the commitment. And, you know, but from what I've heard, they, they kind of hook you up with another school. They'll kind of pass you off. So, you know, I will, so look for that to happen. If you see some, if you see some people um, drop out of this recruiting class, I wouldn't be as uh, – don't uh, – be as concerned as you might, you know, normally, because it's probably that we're making room for a, uh, you know, one of these one of these five stars that might come in. Yeah, uh, speaking of five stars, uh, I was I just saw a little something. Um, uh, the Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are playing the the Jets today, and Leonard Fournette just broke off a long run, and who else but Jamal Adam, Jamal Adams saved the. Uh, uh, the touchdown with a, a long run for a tackle, and then DJ Shark was the first one to congratulate Fournette. So, 
uh, NFLSU and the Five Stars continuing on. Uh, that's, I think that also helps attract some of the players, too, as they see the success these guys have in the NFL. And, um, you know, LSU sure. hasn't had the postseason success as, say, Alabama, but they, they know that you can definitely, uh, definitely build a career there. Uh, just as far as working on your talent and just playing very, very good competition. Uh, and it extends into the NFL. So there's that. Um, so any uh, any thoughts going into the bye week? Uh, I don't know, LSU, I don't know if we have any, uh, I mean, I'll grant Delpit and a couple other guys got nicked up during the game, but were there any overall injuries that, uh, I don't think there were any serious injuries going into the bye week, but it would be a good week for them to just get healthy, you know? Yeah, I, I think that um, the, the only question I had, and I, I just, I, I reached out to some people uh, who, who are kind of insiders, and we'll see what they say, um, but Stingley went out the, the last play before Auburn scored, and then, of course, the defense didn't come back on the field, so I don't know, you know, I, I know that he was, he was required to go out after for one play, and then that pl- the, the play he was out on, they ended up scoring on the, yeah. on the, the DB who took his place. Right. Um, you know, I don't know if it, I don't know if he went out just because he's required to, and, he, and he's actually fine. He walked off on his own volition, so I, I, I would venture to say he's probably okay. Um, but I would want to make sure that he, uh, that he's, um, you know, healthy. And if he's not, you know, let's heal him up and get him ready for this Alabama game because we're definitely going to need um, him locking down. You know, I, I'd be interested to see who they who they put him on. If he'll work off Judy or work off of um, Riggs. Uh, Riggs, yeah, or even um, or Rugs. Or even uh, um, Stephon Diggs. Is it Stephon? Uh, oh, he's he's defense. He's defense. Trayvon Diggs is uh, Trayvon. like stud safety. No, right. no, wait. Who, who's the no, no? Devonte uh, Smith. 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 Yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm we mixing up the wide receiver for the uh, the Vikings. Anyways, different guy. <laughs> um. <laughs> so you know, I'd be interested to see who who plays on who, and I'm sure they've already got that all figured out. But um. You know, I'd, I'd like for him to get healthy. Other than that, I think that, uh, yeah, you're right. There aren't really any any concerning um, any concerning injuries or any anything that that really stuck out. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just a week to almost more get mentally prepared a little bit, and then yeah, like you said, put the the finishing touches on the healing. Terrace Marshall, he was back, uh, caught a touchdown today, but he had pretty much a quiet night after that. Only two catches in total. So hopefully he'll step into a bit bigger role as he gets back from his foot injury. And then everybody else is just uh, ready to rock. So we'll have the full breakdown for you next week going into yeah, it. Definitely. And I don't know if you were able to watch any of the Alabama-Arkansas game. Uh, were you guys? Yes or no? Um, I saw. I briefly saw some scores, but I didn't see um, okay. any. I just didn't know if you had a chance to see their uh, their backups play. I mean, it was it was okay. Again, I just you know it's not the same with Tua. So I, everything remains to be seen as far as how his injury comes along. And who LSU is going to face? Uh, you know, I, I imagine they're going to prepare for Tua, um, but you know, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, if if they have to go, uh, if Alabama has to go with their backups, then you know LSU's only got one game of tape on them. But uh, Alabama's position players pretty much made that win against Arkansas. I mean, they just all the yards after the catch by the receivers, the the toughness of Alabama's running game. All that, um, you know, that's that's going to come into play, I think, more than uh, more than the absence of Tua will, because e- even if he's not there, Alabama still has playmakers. You know, um, most of his passes were 
I think, within 10 yards. He had some long ones, too. But, uh, you know, they just wanted to start him off slow because it was his first game. Uh, and what a good game to do against against Arkansas. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how the injury reports come out this week and how things progress. So I'm sure we can talk more about that next week. Um, any uh, any other final thoughts as we as we head into this bye week? Not really. It's just a good week to be a Tiger, as always. Amen. How about you, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, I'm I'm glad that we uh, that we got through this test, and I'm ready for um, I'm ready to see how they prepare and and uh, you know have that week of rest, and then you know let's let's gear up and, and be ready for uh, November nine. Exactly. And, uh, well, who knows? There might be some more recruiting news that comes out before then. Maybe not, but um, we'll, we'll just we'll stay on top of that. So tune in next week with us here on Talking Tigs. We'll deliver you any news that we find out during the week and any, uh, any projections that we have towards the Alabama game. Uh, like, like Tommy said, we might have someone with us next week to, to offer some new insight, but we'll see how that goes. So until next time, Uh, Have a good week, and we will uh, talk to you next time on the Talking Tigs.